This morning, I'm, I use the word excited, but I am excited. I'm not nervous. Preaching is still something that's, you know, a space that I'm getting used to being in. <laughs> um, I know God has given me a word. This has been a bit of a journey this week coming to what I am sharing with you this morning. I started in one place. Pastor Bruce heard a, a brief version of it. Pastor John had a, heard a, a brief second version that was completely different. Pastor Bruce heard a third version, which again, what you're hearing this morning is completely different. So it's been a bit of a journey for me. Um, but I know that um, there's something here for each of you this morning to take away. So uh, let's dive in. We are looking at the story of the road to Emmaus this morning out of Luke. Um, if you're familiar with the story, we are jumping into it's about Luke 24. Jesus has died on the cross. And we are about three days after he has died. He's not risen yet. But we're in a place where all of Israel was mourning. Um, you know, we've got the benefit of hindsight. We know three days later, Jesus did rise again. But for these people, they had, they had been living in a world of promises and prophecies that were, were being fulfilled. And then in front of their eyes, the guy that was meant to save all of Israel is executed. Like we have the honour of looking back and seeing what does happen. But for them, it's like, oh, hang on. The guy that was meant to save us from all of this oppression, you know, the Roman oppression, he was meant to save us. He was meant to bring us to glory. And now, look, he's dead. And I love what um, Pastor Steve Godfrey shared a few weeks ago. If you haven't listened to his message, it's great. The expectation gap. Their expectation of what Jesus was doing was like kind of over for them. They were like, hang on. He was meant to save us here and now, and he's dead. And... Um, as, he, as Pastor Steve shared back then, the, there was kind of a belief for, for three days a dead body could come back to life. But after that point, you were dead, dead. And there was no coming back. And um, that story, that um, sermon from Pastor Steve is about Lazarus being raised from the dead. So there's a lot of um, similarities between this, this um, message. So I'm not going to talk about what he shared. But I love one of the quotes that he said is that Jesus had a greater perspective on our situations and this situation than these people did. So reading in Luke, we're looking at the story. So with Luke 24, verse 13, that same day, so with these, we're three days after Jesus had died, that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognising him. Or some other translations say that they were, um, yeah, they were blind to see him. They had no idea who this man was. They, they're walking and suddenly this stranger out of nowhere is just like walks up alongside them. And they were kept from recognising him. And there's, you can, there's so many different um, ways to unpack that and different... Um, messages and things we can learn from that about why they couldn't recognize Jesus but something that I was pondering was I wonder what would happen if they had recognized Jesus right away would they have been like ah it's a ghost and run away because there's other we read of other times in this story when Jesus is um, revealing himself and they're 
couple of times people are just like, ah, it's a ghost, they're afraid and they don't believe it. So maybe if they had recognised him right there and then, maybe they wouldn't have known it was him. We don't know what would have happened. Um, but as Jesus was walking up beside them, they were sharing with him and they were expressing their disappointment, their hopes, their dreams that were for them unfulfilled at that point. Um, even though earlier in Luke 24, um, before we get to this story, the women went down to the tomb, the, tomb, the stone was rolled away, they see an empty tomb, they go, oh, Jesus isn't here. Their first thought isn't like, well, he's alive. So then they're startled by these two figures who appear to be angels that say, you know, why are you looking for the dead amongst the living? He's not here, he's risen, he's alive, go in peace. And so they leave, they go back to the, the disciples, the 11, and there was a, it says there was a whole crowd with them, other followers of Jesus. So we can assume these men were in that area because later on we read that. And these women tell them the story of what they've seen, but in verse 11 it says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. So there's something here. These men, they've, they, you know, they know some of the prophecies. They've been told by the women that the tomb is empty, that there's been angels that told them that Jesus is alive, but still they don't recognise Jesus as this man that is walking with them along the road. Jesus turns to them and says in verse 25, How foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to then enter his glory? Amazingly, Jesus doesn't tell them. He doesn't say, hey, by the way, I'm Jesus. He flips to like a third person kind of story and says, like, how foolish of you. You've been told, you know, like all of the prophets, prophecies. Come on, how slow are you? I was like, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in this next part of the conversation because it's one verse that we read. But this verse is probably the entire seven miles or like 11 kilometres that these guys were walking. And it says, And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus literally walked the entire road to Emmaus with these men saying, so we have Moses and there would have been Isaiah and all of these prophets that were pointing to this moment. These are all of the stories. So they get to Emmaus. Jesus looks like he's going to continue walking on and the two men, they get to the house and it's nighttime and they go, hey, hey, no, 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 come, come in and stay with us. Come and stay with us, which was a, an, an honour and something in that time, you know, inviting someone into your house, you're inviting them into where you are, your family. So he goes inside. They still don't know Jesus. And it had me thinking about times where I have told my friends, my family, people that don't know Jesus about him. I have told them stories. I have told them what the Bible says. I don't know if anyone can relate here. Have you shared that with some of your friends? Sometimes it's enough and people are seeking and that information is enough for them. But other times, they still don't see Jesus. Even the most incredible sermon in this moment, Jesus literally sharing basically his story and testimony and all that was to come wasn't enough for these men. There was something that was blocking them from seeing Jesus. And I think for them, it was their expectation. 
They, had, they were blinded by their own expectation of what Jesus was meant to do because there would have been a thought for them that it was about saving them in the there and the now, not the long-term goal of what Jesus had, which was for all of us. So they, they were stuck in what they thought could have happened. It didn't happen and they were blinded. So what can we do? How can we help our friends and our family to see Jesus when we've told them about him? When we've shared all of the good news, how can we reveal Jesus? And I think the answer is in this story. In Luke 24, 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. In this moment, it was Jesus' actions that revealed his glory to the followers, to these disciples. He had told them everything that had been promised, but it was the simple action of him breaking bread, which in someone else's house, usually it would have been the host of the house that did that, not the stranger. So for him to be bold and take that action and do that in front of them, that's what opened their eyes to see Jesus. And then the disciples follow on in 32 saying, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So, you know, they weren't ignorant to Jesus. They were asking questions. They wanted to know all of these stories. Their hearts were burning. The scriptures were being opened. So the seeds were being planted. And I'm not saying that the words we speak are falling on deaf ears. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they're planting seeds. But it was Jesus' action when he broke the bread that revealed to him who he was, who they um, revealed to them who he was. So then in Luke 35, it says the two were told, they, they went back to Jerusalem and the two told what had happened that day and how Jesus was recognised them by them when he broke the bread. I love here in C3 Adelaide Hills, our vision is to be a growing and influential C3 church. Pastor Bruce and Pastor John spoke about that last week in the, the realm of fatherhood or parenthood, being an influence to our, um, our kids. But influential, being an influence is about our actions as well. And we can be influential to our friends and our family and influence them in the ways of meeting Jesus by our actions. So there are so many different versions of that that we can do, but I've just got two to share with you this morning, two sort of areas that we can show through our actions and reveal Jesus to our friends. The first one is love. You know, it's a commandment of God in Mark 12, 30, 31. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Our values here are love God, love people, serve God, serve people. You know, it's not that for by accident. We are commanded to love God and to love people. Jesus, all through the Gospels, showed his love and acceptance of every person that he encountered. Tax collectors, lepers, people that should have been ignored and shamed, Jesus loved them. He showed their love to them. And even later in John 13, 34 to 35, he even reiterates this um, commandment again after he's been risen from the dead and he says so now I'm giving you a new commandment 
love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And I love this bit. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we love other people, the people that are easy to love, the people that are difficult to love, the people that the world says we shouldn't, Jesus is revealed. A great verse. You would have probably heard this one before. It's very popular at weddings. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. This is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I'm not very good at doing all those things all the time. I hope I'm not the only one here, but loving is tough. And loving people that we love, like even the people I love the most in this world, I get angry at them (laughs) and I get really impatient with them. You know, it's a choice that we have to make, but perhaps we have friends and family, we're telling them all about Jesus and all the great things he's done. But if, have you been impatient? Have you been unkind? Envious, boastful, proud? Have you dishonoured them, talked behind their back? Are you self-focused when you're with them? Are you quick to anger? Have you holding a grudge against someone because of, you've kept a record of what they've done wrong to you? Do you like... Do you delight in other suffering? Like, do you kind of oh, <laughs> sucked in when something happens to someone? Like, does it, you know, never. Are you untrustworthy? Do you give up easily on people? These are all things that when we are doing them, we are not demonstrating love. Even though we love them. My twin sister down here. The amount of times when we were kids that we would get angry at one another. Well, yeah, you're right. I'm still a kid at heart. We, yeah, we're better now. We're, yeah, it's fine. But <laughs> we, got, we would used to get angry at each other. We shared a room for the most part of our life. And we would... You know, someone left stuff on the floor. I'm like, sick of this mess. And you would kick their clothes across the other side of the room. We would get angry at one another, yet we love each other dearly. But in those moments, we were not demonstrating love to one another. So are we doing these things? Um, I walked through, I work at a school part-time, and I walked through the office, Friday it was, and... This week was just a bit of an interesting week with some <laughs> behaviours of students. There was a few things going on. Um, but I walked, I went out and got my lunch and I walked back and I was walking just through the front office, came around the back and passed one of like the rooms that people talk in. And one of our um, teachers that was dealing with the behaviour was, I, I don't know what the, the whole situation behind it, but I just heard her say something to this student. And she just said, do you think that is how we demonstrate our faith? So like whatever this child had done, um, being we are a Christian school, our values are about around being respectful, integrity, um, all sorts of like those sorts of things. 
And so obviously whatever this student had done was not demonstrating her faith. It was not demonstrating Jesus in that situation. Therefore, she was being disciplined. So are the things that are you doing demonstrating God's love? I'll leave you to ponder that one. Because I've been pondering it myself and I still will be. Because we're human. It's human nature. It's okay. The second one that um, came to mind, second thing we can do, our actions, um, is I think it had been a bit in my mind because Pastor Emma had mentioned it a few times at a few prayer meetings and then I was pondering it, is about our spiritual gifts. Does anyone here know what your spiritual gifts are and like discovered them? Yeah, see me a few nods. Little plug, I had said to Pastor Emma and John before, I'm like, I haven't actually okayed this with anything, anyone, but we have run a course previously here at church. It's called The Spiritual Gifts to Discover Them. If you want to, if you're interested in doing it, unpacking it, speak to Pastor John and Emma, to me, to Laurie. We will help you do that as a journey because it's a great thing to do. It's unpacking our spiritual gifts. Um, in Romans, we read that Paul, he was writing a letter to the Roman church. So Romans 1, 11 to 12 Paul writes, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And in other translations it says, I long to see that I may use my gifts to strengthen you. God has given us all gifts that we are meant to work out of to demonstrate his love. And it's not surprising that most of them are kind of actions. Um, a few examples of some that might resonate with you. Uh, hospitality. Hospitality is a spiritual gift. I can think of a few people that I know that are in this church that are really great at hospitality. It's not all of our strength. Some of us are not good at putting on a four-course meal and inviting all of our friends over and dealing with the mess afterwards. But for others of us, that's, that's how we demonstrate God. That's how we demonstrate his love. Jesus was always inviting people in inviting people to dine with him. They would sit around a table, around food, and that's when he would have the opportunity to share and talk about himself. The gift of healing. I know it's um, one of Pastor Julie's spiritual gifts and a few others here, but the gift of healing. I mean, how incredible has it been lately hearing those testimonies of healing? Like over the last few weeks, we've had a lot happening here. You know, that, is, they, that encourages our faith. It encourages you and me. Not only the person that is receiving that healing, but the person that, he's, like, that was praying and has that gift. It encourages both of us. The gift of serving. It, it is a gift. There are people that are, that are content and find joy in being behind the scenes, knowing that what they're doing blesses other people and blesses and creates a space for people. A uh, couple of mine, which... Like, it's not surprising that they align with the things that in the natural we're good at, but it's no accident that we're good at them because they're things God has given us. So for me, uh, like my top one was speaking in tongues, which is not uncommon for a Pentecostal church to have a lot of people that have that spiritual gift because it's something that we're taught and is, you know, we practice a lot and we work in a lot as a Pentecostal church. Um, but some of my other ones are music, art and craftsmanship, organisation, Leadership and helping. If you, I studied graphic design out of university. I do a lot of graphic design here for church. Um, I serve on the worship team. Uh, helps is kind of in the help, but it's not uncommon that that 
gift is actually linked to, um, like there's kind of a list when you do it that tells you what, where you can kind of use your gifts to serve and do and helps kind of links into like the whole being serving on children's church and that sort of thing. Um, so these are gifts that God has given me. And when I work out of them, when I take a moment to do them, when I'm faithful with activating those spiritual gifts, God can actually speak through us. We don't have to be up here with the microphone to be the one that is making an impact on someone in this room. You know, every week when we have church, there we have visitors that come in. We have people that are struggling with their walk with Jesus that are probably a little bit far away from him. Whatever the scenario, each one of us has gifts that we can use to reveal Jesus to them. The people that are behind the coffee machine, you know, like serving, the people that are doing the dishes in the kitchen, how blessed are the people, or those of us that were able to go get a coffee or get a coffee and give to a visitor, you know? It all works together. So if you don't know your gifts, come, I'll help you find them. Not me personally, but I'll direct you in the right path. Or if you know them, step into them, use them, activate them, be bold in them. You know, for me, the gift of music, I'm privileged to be a serve, serve on the, the worship team. I know that I, like, I'm not Beyonce when I sing. Like, I'm aware of that, but it's not about doing things in the way that the world sees good, bad. When we're blessed and we have a spiritual gift, we have to be faithful in activating that, knowing that Jesus can be revealed in that. So discover your spiritual gifts. And they, there's so much more, but they were the two things that I really had on my heart this morning. Love, reminding ourselves daily what love is and what it's not. You know, we might have to sacrifice some of those and like surrender some of those challenging parts of the love is to God daily. Like, God, I'm finding it really hard to be patient today with my kids, with my friends, with my colleagues. Help me be patient. Or I'm finding it really hard to let go of this thing that someone did a couple of weeks, months, whatever ago. Help me to forgive them. And our spiritual gifts, in all you're doing, I didn't even write this scripture down, but in all you do, do it as though you're serving the Lord. Be faithful with the gifts that he has given you and step into them. So as we come to an end this morning, I'd like to invite the worship team to join us. And I'd like to invite everyone to stand in this moment as well. Because I'm going to pray with us this morning. Because we do have a Lord and Saviour. Everyone deserves a chance to know Him, to know Jesus, to have a relationship with Him. And we have the privilege as Christians, believers, to reveal Him to others. So this morning, as we close our eyes, I want to encourage you to think about someone, 10 people, whoever, wherever they are, that you want to reveal Jesus to them. You want to help them recognise who Jesus is. Because that's why we're here. In Matthew, it says to go and make disciples. Meeting Jesus isn't the end of our journey in our faith. It's the start. It's the catalyst that helps us walk into His promises and His calling for us. And part of that is to make disciples. Reveal Jesus. So Lord, right now, as we think about our friends, our family, our colleagues, 
the people we haven't even met yet that we might encounter on the street one day. Lord, let our eyes be open. Let our hearts be open and softened to the unexpected people, the obvious people. Give us the boldness and the courage to be like You, to demonstrate Your love in its fullest sense. Lord, that we have Your power within us to do that because as humankind, we fall short. But with Your power in us, we do not. With Your power in us, You can do all things. Thank You, Jesus. And right now, if you're sitting here, if you're watching online, I wanna give you, you an opportunity. You may have never given your life to Jesus, never publicly declared that you're a follower of Him. You may have done it 10, 20 times and you've, you just wanna realign yourself this morning. If that's you, with all eyes closed here in this place, I'm not gonna make you do anything scary, but if you just, if you lift your hands as a, it's a sign of surrendering to God, a sign of saying, yes, God, I'm in, or I'm back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we wanna live our lives following you, walking in your truth, sharing your love with the world. What a great honour and privilege that is that you have given us, Lord Jesus. So this morning as we look to you, we re-surrender. We thank you for your great love for us. Empower us, Lord Jesus, as we walk forward into this week to the rest of the year. Amongst the chaos, Lord, you will... Reveal opportunities, Lord, that we won't be so self-focused that we can't see the people that we're meant to share you with. Share your love with. Serve, whatever that looks like, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for your great sacrifice. Lord, that you did in fact raise um, be risen from the dead three days later to give us the most incredible gift of having our sins washed clean, being restored to a right relationship with God so that we may spend eternity with Him and you in heaven. We thank you for the greatest gift of all. Every day, remind us of that great sacrifice, how your mercies are new, that you will never leave us as we walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just stay in that place as we finish this morning with some worship, as we speak the name of Jesus. Just focus your eyes on Him and all that He's done, all that He's doing and all that He's yet to do. And let's worship, finish our morning, this morning worshiping together.